Welcome back to another episode of Present Company, On the Road, the segment where I take you on the road to some of the biggest film events in the country. Today, I'm at the 59th annual New York Film Festival, looking out over Central Park on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I'm about to sit down with Olivia Coleman, who stars in Maggie Gyllenhaal's feature directorial debut, The Lost Daughter. Cheers, Olivia Coleman. Cheers. It's great to see you. Great Thank to you. see you in New York. Thank you so much it's for making the time. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's been an exciting moment for you. Um, yeah. Congrats on the Emmy. That's pretty spectacular. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's not too far in the past. That no. was thrilling. Yeah, that was a total shock. It's got to be so hard to... It's got to be great to say goodbye to a show because you know it's only a, a two-year period. It's a finite amount of time, so yeah. you go in knowing that. Yeah. But at the same time... It's got to be a drag to have to say goodbye to all that, too, and that great cast. It's just... Yeah, that, well, least... that's the part of the job. It's the heart, a little bit of heartache at the end of each yeah. job. But that's also what I like. I like the fact that there's different things happening. Mm-hmm. So, and we all felt that. And to say goodbye, having had such a ball, we all got on so well. We all got to say incredible words because the scripts are so good. We are all very spoiled on that job because we got to see amazing places. And, you know, so to end like that was just great yeah and you're still you stay friends with the ones that you know that, that you're well, almost to. everybody really yeah cause... well you get all those corgis too you get all the dogs and the horses yeah. what a great job oh god that was heaven and the, the horses on that are so impeccably trained i get slightly it's sort of i feel like yeah no i could i could totally i can understand horses i can sit on a horse but i realize now only their horses <laughs> that's the devil's horseman this company in england run by camilla and her horses are just so loved and so well-trained that I, I was just a sort of sack of potatoes sitting on these beautiful horses, and they, as soon as the word action happens, they know what to do. They knew the route to take me. I literally just sat on it. Wow. Yeah, they're wow. amazing. I discovered horses not that long ago. I mean, even though I grew up in the West and whatnot, but we started riding them, and I love it. But it is slightly terrifying because you have to be so present. Oh, well, I now know, uh, yeah, I wouldn't get on any other horse because I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about The Lost Daughter, which is premiered here, which is so exciting to see for Maggie Gyllenhaal, her directorial debut with the Ferrante novel, Elena Ferrante, that no one knows who she is. Yeah. Is it even? Is she even a she? We don't even know, which I love. It just adds more mystery to it. I mean, Maggie did say she feels she has to be female because she does write about the female condition so beautifully. Yeah. But I imagine at this point, where you are in your career, which I kind of love, which I'm going to talk about for a second for my listeners, is it feels like Olivia Coleman was shot out of a cannon at almost 40. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we suddenly on the other side of the pond discovered you, and now you've got like super global stardom. We can't get enough of Olivia Coleman. But you've been working for, for a steady period of time, and obviously in doing British films, British series, obviously Broadchurch, I kind of think is the one that really brought you to American yeah, audiences. Right, yeah. But at this point, your time is very valuable and you have a family and you chose to do this film and you chose to do it with a first-time director, yeah. one that you didn't know that you hadn't worked with before as an actor. What spoke to you about the work and about Maggie that made you just say, and I know it was like over a lunch or something, it wasn't yeah. even that laborious. You just like kind of said yes. What was it that made you say yes so quickly? Well, I, I think you ha- there's a gut feeling with scripts it always starts with a script for me and it was so beautifully written and and the part is something I hadn't I hadn't played that character before I do like to try and do something different each time 
in very after one job, suddenly you'll get sort of a swathe of uh, offers or, or no scripts coming through, which are kind of the same. You go, well, mm. I've done that bit, and mm-hmm. I'd quite like to do something else. And this was completely different, and incredibly honest. I almost never know what the director of any job is going to be like. You don't know until you're actually there. You can ask people, but you just might have a, you might not have the connection between you as people, you know. So it's always a bit of a gamble. But Maggie, there's something about being directed by someone who knows the feeling. It's mm. really nice, and you have to, you have to trust them, and you have to feel supported and loved, and then you can, you've got the courage to do anything and go anywhere. And she knows that feeling. I just really liked her. We got on really well. She is much more intellectual than me. We have the mm. same guttural feeling towards things, but she can also talk about it much more mm. eloquently. And she gave me sort of literary references, and I'm much more Jilly Cooper. I don't know, I don't really know what you're saying. But um, we totally understood each other in a different... Just that lunch together, and you're looking into her eyes, you know, her bright blue eyes, and you go, yeah, this is... Yeah, totally, I... I I'm not very eloquent, <laughs> but I, I know what you're saying, what you're feeling, we feel the same. And I was excited about the journey, and... And talking about who else is going to come on board, it was all very exciting. Mm-hmm. You can do a job which is creatively fulfilling but also can help you pay the mortgage. Yeah. And they're great. And then doing a, a piece that is is not going to be the big money job of the year, but it means so much. Mm-hmm. And they're always the best, mm-hmm. the best jobs. And Tyrannosaur was my first... Um, well, the first time someone really took a punt on me and let me do something different. And that was, was you could Patty. not live off the money for that for, for very many months. You know? Who directed that? That was Paddy, Paddy Considine. Yeah. And The Favourite was also, you know, a, a pretty small budget film. But they're the ones that really move you and make you want to do it. As long as you get the odd job that covers the bills and then you can do the ones you really love. Leda is a very complicated character and all of the women are complicated in this film. Yeah, uh, well, normal. Normal, right, exactly. No one's a cookie cutter, no one's any of it, uh, yeah. which is what I loved. And at times I was like, was angry at Leda, and then the other times elated by her. So yeah. it was this great uh, emotion that I feel like audiences go on a ride with, with each of these characters. And you follow each one the way Maggie, she's so confident for a first time director. It's God, like yeah. staggering, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Like how, who walks around with that much confidence? She does, clearly. And yeah. We're all grateful for it. <laughs> but w- was there a certain part of Leda that you related to? Like, what part? Because I know, I feel like as actors, you, you identify or you can relate to some part of the character that you're playing because you bring them such humanity. And is there something that struck a chord with you? Or did you read the book first? Or did it just all come from the script? Well, from the script, I think. It always does, for me. It's mm-hmm. And if you trust it and it's good enough and you can... You know when you can... You, well, I don't know. When reading a script, if I can sort of see it and feel it, and I can't describe what it is, but um, it doesn't even... I don't even have to have a lot of me... Oh, God, I don't know. I've never known how to explain what it is. I should try and work on this, shouldn't I? Mm. <laughs> but um, it f- felt I wanted to do it, and my litmus is... My, my lovely agents, say, they say the litmus test is, can you picture someone else doing that part? And if, if you go, oh, God, no, I, 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 no, absolutely, I won't let someone else do it. I have mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the... If you go, yeah, I think they probably do it much better than me, then maybe you have to move on. It. Yeah. yeah. And this one I, I would have thought, you know, mm-hmm. to... 
I want to do it. Yeah. Well, you've got some great co-stars here uh, in Dakota Johnson, which oh, yeah. is, I, you know, I feel like Maggie's the first one to really get a mature performance out of her that I knew she was capable of. I was yeah. really impressed by the work she did in this film, and she was so great as Nina, and the kind of dance you She all is. She's do. a brilliant actress, she and is. it's all there. She's and brilliant so comedian, much. too. She's so funny. She's made me piss myself mm -hmm. so many times on this job, but it's all there, but I think people uh, make awful assumptions about mm -hmm. someone who's a great beauty, yeah. and they forget that they're the same as everybody else. And she certainly is. She's funny. She's uh, self-deprecating. She's she's got such life experience, and yeah, Maggie let her show it rather mm -hmm. than yeah. I think I think people yes people maybe the assumption that she couldn't do it you know is is wrong, and. Um, Maggie knew it. She could see. see it oh all. yeah, she's she's terrific in it, and the stuff yeah. that you have together, I love because Leda kind of sees her, really sees who she is, not just yeah. the bathing beauty, the trophy wife. The yeah, kind of sees other. the struggle and see. Yeah, 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 she sees it, and I love that part of the movie because yeah. I feel like any woman can relate to that, regardless of how they look or how yeah. they feel or where they went to college or yeah. what they're doing, whether they're a great mother or a terrible mother. Yeah. And then Jesse Buckley, who you have no scenes with. She's another, you know, I'm not gonna say discovery with either one of them because they're both great, but she's mm. just so good and I feel like we're she's just getting started. And oh, she plays yeah. you as a younger woman. And I love the way that Maggie didn't try to make you like look the same yeah. or be the same, but you you didn't I immediately knew it was later at that age. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I was it like, oh, work, this is it? where we are. This yeah. is what's happening. So, yeah. Um, was it also because Maggie, yes, didn't want to, you know, just, you are clearly two different actresses, but you're not the same woman when you're 20 as when you're 30, as when you're 40. You go through changes, you, you know, so it was perfectly all right that we were two different, different women because ev every human being is, is many different people and, you know, go through changes in their lives. So Did you work fine. together at all before? Did you see each other? Did you have lunch? Did you talk about it? Or no, did Maggie we just were always doing things in different places and not be able to get together. But we knew each other. And I recommended Jessie to, to Maggie, which I'm thrilled about. Yeah. And then she watched Wild Rose, which was released, mm. I think, shortly after we had our little first meeting. Jessie is, I think, one of the most extraordinary actresses I've ever watched. I love watching her. And she's lovely and... She's got so, so much talent. It's really slightly galling. But um, uh, I've forgotten what you asked. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, she I did. I saw her Romeo and Juliet with oh, Josh. Did you with oh Josh? my god, I, I loved seen it. That yet. Well, I had Josh um, on the podcast, and I had oh, watched god. it. He was. His, Do you love him? He's so, but you know, he's it's thrilling mm. to to meet someone like that, just so full of energy and ready to go, and kind of like the way he was able to be Prince Charles and kind of capture the imaginations of what is it like 80 million you know households watch the crown and Bloody loved him yeah it's crazy <laughs> um so the fact that he was able to do all that uh and then i saw him in romeo and juliet completely different character yeah. brilliant I, yeah i think he's tremendous so but yeah. that's where i was like wow jesse buckley wow wow yeah, wow yeah for them to do that on the stage was incredible. So you've kind of been the Pied Piper of these younger actresses, which I think is interesting too, because Emma Stone, who you did the favorite with, oh. talks, obviously, you, yeah, I feel like you've changed, you changed her life. 
<laughs> Did I? I think I you think did. So. <laughs> Just by um, your approach and your attitude and, and the relaxedness of it all, I think it it's had a, a huge effect on oh. these younger actresses. I really do. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I feel like because, one, you're British, two, you're just so much more down to earth, and I think because the Brits have a better attitude to fame than the Americans, I've, and I feel like these young girls, especially young women, especially like Emma or Dakota that come into such fame at such a young age, it's so hard to know who you really are, and I think yeah. that I think both of them way. have done such a great job. Yeah. And I think that's the same anyway. I, I, it happening early, I think, is a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's terrifying, and yeah, happening later is 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 better because you know you sort of know who you are a bit more. You know who your good people are around you, and also in this day of which I didn't have to contend with, social media and and anybody making a comment on what you look like or just cruel. It's and I think even your sort of not quite formed or don't know who you are and somebody's commenting on what you look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just horrendous behaviour. And it's really hard for, for the young'uns, I think, to, to deal with that, for anyone to deal with that. Um, so it doesn't matter, I don't think, which side of the Atlantic you are. I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, difficult. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about Ed Harris. Okay. Because <laughs> you have some great co-stars and you have a great dance scene with him that kind of just feels like it's just comes out of nowhere for both of these characters and it works perfectly in the film. Yeah. And when I talked to Ed, he was like, oh, I had to do this dance. I didn't know what to do. I had a prep. So he, he talked about his playlist that he would play and he was like dancing around the house. Like, oh. And I was like, okay, Ed, I have to ask now. You said it. What was your playlist? Like, and he's like, well, of course, a little Bon Jovi and then some Neil Young. I was like, Neil Young? Like, how does that work? <laughs> But um, talk to me about working with him and, and maybe just even that sequence and dancing with him. And just it was, it was so exciting to meet him. And it's, it's often the way, you know, when you meet someone that you've watched for years and then you meet them and go, oh, you're lovely. You're obviously a human being, you know. Um, and then within seconds, you're just having a chat with someone really nice. And, I mean, looking into Ed Harris's blue eyes, you know, ah, you sort of forget your train of thought. Yeah. Um, and he was just so up for up for everything, and doing that dance was hilarious. He mm-hmm. was he was having a lovely time, and he laughs a lot. You know, it was just it was lovely, easy. You don't want to do that sort of scene with someone who's too serious about it. And he mm-hmm. was just up for a good time. Mm-hmm. And we we da- we danced to that particular song over and over and over again. And because I was a, a little make it let yourself go, which I find quite hard. Um, I don't mind letting myself go emotionally, snot, crying, anything, but dancing or trying to look seductive is something that I absolutely would rather put shit in my eye than have to try and do that. And so Maggie was, okay, yeah, just really, oh, God, okay, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just, he was just, it's us, it's just us dancing, and he made it so easy. It was really fun. Oh, he's so good. You think about his body of work. He's so he's so yeah. great. He's just all about the work and all about like one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And he definitely does not take any of it or himself too seriously. It's yeah. just like it's all about the work and get the Absolutely. job. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the way it was his wife, Amy Madigan, that talked him into doing the movie, yeah. which is just so it's so so perfect in so many ways for yeah. this film and for it to be so well received. It's it's exciting. All right, a couple other things I want to ask you. Kicking those suitcases. <laughs> Okay, there's a couple of things where I'm like, 
oh, that was just so great. You know, this film is, it's hard to describe, but it is a, it has a very thriller-esque edge to it. I mean, I yeah. was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. There's this couple, I don't want to spoil it, but I had yeah. a couple <gasps> yeah, gasps. Yeah. But I did love that kind of final sequence when we're not sure as an audience member what is happening and the yeah. way Maggie shot it. And it's just the, the way in which you kicked those suitcases. Were there a lot of takes? Did you get it in one time? Was that, that something that was spontaneous or was that in the script? I think that was in the moment. Maggie said, kick it. But clearly suffering, something has just happened yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, and carrying them downstairs was not an option. That sort of, you know, sort of slightly losing a uh, sense of what's going on and, uh, and in pain. Ah, fuck it, <laughs> let's kick the bags downstairs. But that's Maggie just going, you can't, it's too heavy, you can't. So we just kicked it and it was just, and she just kept it rolling and then kicked the next one. And then the one without wheels, that was fun. <laughs> just, <you know. laughs> um, yeah, just, it, she, was so, she was so good at playing and seeing what happened in the moment and I would whisper things in your ear that, you went, oh, I oh, that's going in a different tangent, which she might not use, but she just really enjoyed, mm-hmm. you know, playing with it. Did you have a favourite scene in the film, shooting? Ooh. Favourite scene in... Ooh. I, I don't know, I did love... Which is not a totally dramatic scene, I suppose, but being in the water, watching the boatload mm. of people coming, just, that was just... I quite enjoyed the no-line scenes and just, oh, God, just sort of showing it on your face, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was so gratifying, the New York audience was so... <laughs> they really found it funny and they laughed at lots of bits. It was really nice. Well, the New Yorkers on the beach, too, were great. I mean, that yeah. had to play well. And when she yeah. said, yeah, Caruso from Queens, yeah. and everybody laughed, <laughs> they could all feel it. It was really nice. <laughs> so funny. Um, all right, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. Mm. So you were not someone that woke up and had to act. You didn't come from an acting family. Rada was not in your blood uh, in the beginning. I did my first school play and I knew, ah, this is what I want to do. This is the only thing I've ever found that I can do. T- rubbish at school. And sort of enthusiastic, but just not really able to commit to academia was not mm-hmm. my thing. And, um, and then I changed schools. I went to a place where the arts were applauded and we did school plays. And then suddenly I oh, there's a whole tribe of people I'd never met before. I, I feel at home for the first time ever. And um, and I didn't know, how do you do it if you're not from it? How, I don't understand. Do you have to come from an acty place? You know, my mum was a nurse. And I went to sort of university, but not, not quite. And I fell in love with this beautiful boy who luckily eventually saw, saw the light and realised I was the one for him. Um, <laughs> And I said, I want to be an actor, don't know how to do it. And he wants to be an actor too. And he applied to drama school and I, I didn't because I, I, don't, I don't know, if I didn't know if I could afford it, didn't know if that was the right way of doing it. And so he went and I said, I'll come along and, and support you because I, I did a typing course so I could, I could earn the money for us both while you're doing that and I'm going to try and audition for things. But once he was there, I went, oh God, it looks amazing. And I was so jealous that I applied the next year and got in, so we overlapped for a year while we were there. Um, and then the first years out of out of drama school, he did much better than me. And um, he took turns, because I'd sort of supported while he was at school, and then he supported when we left school, because he 
was the one who getting jobs and I was getting absolutely fuck all. Was I allowed to do that? Yeah. Sorry. Um, and, and then he always really wanted to write. And so when acting just, it sort of gave up on him rather than him giving up on acting. Mm-hmm. And he's one, one of the few of our actor friends who wasn't terribly heartbroken about that. It was like a release, finally now he could commit to what he wanted to commit to and to write. And, and I just carried on. So it wasn't that, it was more that I always wanted to, just didn't know how to. And mm-hmm. then... So when did you find your confidence as Olivia, as an actress? Like, when did that moment happen when you're like, oh, okay, I imagine getting into drama school is a big hurdle. Not everybody does. Yeah. You know, it's got to be Well, I didn't get into many drama schools. And I didn't get into Bristol or Vic straight away. It was only because someone else pulled out that they, that I got in. <laughs> and and I never felt quite like they uh, that that maybe I was. It was a sort of love hate relationship. I I loved it. I loved the people there, but I never felt quite like I was doing quite what they wanted me to do. And it took a while. And it was only fairly recently I think I realised I'm so at home on a film set, on a TV set, on set. I really feel comfortable and when you get the nervous feeling that's exciting because then it feels like well this is going to be a good scene because I'm nervous about it but I enjoy it I enjoy the crew I love the camaraderie on a set um I just feel at home and maybe that's what confidence is I don't know Mm -hmm. in theatre absolutely terrified Mm -hmm. I started in theatre but I, I left it for a little bit too long and now I've got the terrible fear <laughs> of going back. Yeah, well, and if you right. get it wrong, everyone can see that. Mm-hmm. On the set, if you get it wrong, you can go again. Mm-hmm. Um, right, it's that fear of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Why did I say yes? Why am I here? Now I've got to go. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, but I also think it would be exhilarating doing the same thing eight shows a week and every time it's different because the audience is a little different. Yeah. But... But I also I think which maybe I'm telling myself which is not helpful but it's slightly further to fall now there's an expectation mm. once upon a time no one knew my face and I could just enjoy doing my thing for them and having a lovely relationship with the audience and now I'm slightly nervous that they're going to go yeah it's just not what I hoped she'd be or something or or she's shorter or taller mm-hmm. or you know they're going to do that anyway I know but there's a sort of it feels scarier now mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. there's m- more chance of disappointing them. <laughs> I mean, I do joke that you were shot out of a cannon earlier, but you really, I mean, it, we love you in America. We revere you. You've won an Oscar. You're nominated for an Oscar. You won an Emmy. You're nominated. We love you. We oh, can't get enough of you. Thank we you. I love you. all of you, too. <laughs> we claim you as our own. Um, but how has that been to navigate that? I mean, is it, there's got to be some perks from it, obviously, but also... Well, this is what comes from being older, and I have my family, I have my loved ones, I, you know, my normality is established, and so it's, if you've got a good anchoring, it's, it's easier. I can, I can go back and, and, you know, I've got to clean up the dog sick, or, you know, there's, there's, it's all normal at home, and my kids don't care what I do, and that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, had it happened earlier, I think it would be harder, and it might go to go to your head. Or mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very grateful for the years I didn't work because it makes me really appreciate that uh, it's it's much nicer to work than not to work. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I I now get 
script sent to me rather than me having to really go, um, can I, would you look at me, would you, um, that's nice. Uh, and I, I'm considered for other things now, which, I mean, I, I could not get, you know, once upon a time I couldn't get arrested. You know, mm -hmm. And now I'm considered for parts, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. What was that first break? Break. It was the, Pat, the film you talked about. Tyrannosaur, I think, was the first time because I'd done a lot of telly comedy, which I loved, and that was where I got my work. And I, you know, I always wanted to work, um, and made lovely friends. Um, but uh, Paddy and I met Paddy on the set of or oh, rehearsals for um, uh, Hot Fuzz, and. And I don't know why, but uh, he just went, oh, you're the one for his, for, you know, he was writing a short film at the time. And he, he gave me a chance, he had no reason to, to play something completely different. And, uh, and that, that will always be, I think, possibly, that has a, the best place in my heart, that, mm -hmm. work-wise. Well, it always just takes one person, isn't that what everyone says? Yeah. One person to believe in you. Because before he took a punt, no one was, no one was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Well, I'm glad he did. So, so now I. we have you, and now you're sitting across from me, and we're having a nice cocktail at, a, at twilight in I New York. Know. So Look I have this. two more questions, because I know Go. you've had yeah. such a busy day. Sure. But this mm. season on the podcast, I've been talking to everybody about fear, because fear is something that has taken on new meaning in the last two years of our lives, right? Globally, we've experienced this emotion together. And I feel that artists, in particular, have a way of channeling fear into something positive or not, or paralyzing. So I'm asking everybody this season, what is your relationship with fear and how has it kind of changed in the last bit or with maturity or in the oh, last? That's interesting. Fear, yes, my fear of there being further to fall, that's, that's very, I feel that. <laughs> I, I, I fear actually being recognizable as well, which is, um, it's become bigger. And it actually, people in America, to my experience, are much classier about it than people in the UK. I was in Central Park with Jesse. We're going, look where we are in New York. Central Park is so exciting with a coffee. And we felt very cool. And this guy walked past and went, oh, oh, hi, it's nice to meet you. And just carried on. And that was so nice. It was obviously, OK, I've recognised who you are. But he didn't go, can I have a photograph? I, I, over the past five years, I've discovered panic attacks, which I've never had before. Like the fear of going out. I've left London now. That is a big fear which I don't want. And I want to learn from other people how they deal with it. As an actor, you talked about fear of stage fright. Yeah. Do you have that same, like last night you, you watched the film, right? I assume yeah. you saw it in Venice yeah. as well. So yeah. do you have that fear of when you see yourself on screen for the first time? I mean, how does that feel for no, you? No, that's okay. It was odd watching uh, the film for the first time with an audience. So I thought, oh God, I, oh, that's me in a swimming costume. That's, that's not what I would ever want. Um, oh, God. OK, well, I've seen it now. It's a, no, it's a woman who hasn't necessarily... She hasn't, certainly hasn't gone to the gym, she hasn't looked after herself. It's OK. It's normal. And, uh, and I got over that quite quickly. And so watching it again last night here was lovely because I could get rid of that and just watch the film and see other things in it which I hadn't seen the first time round. Mm. And I don't really have fear of watching myself on screen because... I feel at home on set and I, I feel like I'm honest about doing the job. So then it's... Well, God, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but it's, <laughs> I don't have fear of watching that. Right. Um, that's OK. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, same as many people, I don't particularly like the way I look, but it doesn't matter. And at everyone least I'm, at least I'm getting work. Yeah, everyone's Everyone, it's funny when you realise everyone, no one's above vanity and no one's above, like, insecurity. Everyone, yeah. even the most... I've always found the most gorgeous women in the world are often the most insecure and you're just like it's mind-boggling but you yeah. get it no one's above it no one's yeah, above any that's of true. it we just have to like push through it um, yeah all right well my other question is about advice and I think that someone like yourself I feel like why maybe Americans love you so much is because you feel like one of us you know you you came up scrappy you cleaned houses <laughs> you took typing tests yeah. you know you took risks and you didn't know what the answer was going to be you didn't you didn't have any nothing was assured for you but yet you you made it right yeah in, in the in whatever was... the kind of success however you define success you've you've yeah. pretty much been very successful so what advice do you have for someone that is maybe struggling or, like you said, can't get arrested at this moment in time, but knows that they are so comfortable and that they really yeah. can't do anything else other than what they're doing? I, I, it's, I mean, everybody has a different path. Everyone will give you a different piece of advice, I think. I, I knew I couldn't do anything else, and I knew I had to really give it... My mum said, I suppose you'll give it a year. I went, no, I'm going to give it ten or if that doesn't work, maybe 15, and maybe 20. And uh, I just couldn't... Even the struggle was what I had to do, you know, and I would earn my uh, uh, temp and clean and do whatever I could to keep my head above water while still trying to get the work. And I just don't think I would ever have stopped doing that. It took someone to, to you know, take a punt. And um, also some other advice, which is really quite basic, but... If you get a job, remember that you're lucky to have that job. Sometimes I see people who behave so badly, I just, I want to have a word. <laughs> no. Learn your lines, be on time, don't be a dick. And, because there are a thousand people ready to step into your shoes and appreciate that other people are working, you know, on the crew. You know, talk down to anyone, it's a marker of a person. If you watch someone being rude to someone who they deem to be lower than them, ugh, mm -hmm. that's a despicable person. Well, they always have a joke in Hollywood. They say, you want to hear an actor complain? Get him a job. Which <laughs> <laughs> is so yeah, funny. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so true. All yeah. right, so, you, so one last question about the film, and then, and then we, we can wrap it up here. But what do you hope people... You said when you saw it, you got to see nuances that you didn't see maybe the first time you saw it in Venice. Or, so what do you hope people take from this, like from watching it? What did you take last night that, that you didn't anticipate? There was a scene that Jessie did in particular when she's lying in bed, post-coital, talking to her children, and she says, oh, I hate talking to my kids on the phone. And we all hear one, one meaning of that. And then she looks, and it's so close on her face, I hate talking to my kids on the phone. And you go, oh, she genuinely... Oh. And there was little moments like that. She had two meanings in the way she said it, or we suddenly understood the real way that she meant there's so many little moments like that which is just great and honest and I think a lot of people go, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I, Ferrante and Gyllenhaal, you know, have, have made something really, honest is the best word I can think of for it, you know, that lying on the carpet, I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute, just that, mm -hmm. oh my God, that level of mm -hmm. tortured tiredness when they're young, you know, and she's clearly trying to be an academic and 
just one, just a minute, just to close my eyes. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to go, oh, God, I felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it hasn't been said out loud before, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was that... That dynamic, it's its to sit in that uncomfortableness is amazing. And also in Dakota's character of Nina to sit with her when yeah. when she has that final con- confrontation with Leda and you feel her rage. Yeah. You understand because she's yeah. so hurt. Yeah. She Because she idolized her and she yeah, fantasized she about her yeah. trust in this woman. Yeah. And yeah. yet it's the simplest thing to get over. Yeah. But she's incapable of getting over it. It's loaded and I loved it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I can't, like, I'll watch it again, of course, and I'll find something else yeah. that's different in it. But thrilling to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, so thank you so much for coming by. Oh, Thanks thank for you for having me. me. Thank you very much. It's thrilling. I'm so glad I finally got to sit with you. Yeah, and, and I you... can't wait to see what else you're going to do next. I mean, I know you've got a long list of things, projects that are coming, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, well, I hope I don't let you down. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, it's okay if you do. Okay. Oh, good, thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining me. The Lost Daughter is coming to theaters December 17th and will be streaming on Netflix December 31st. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more conversations here at Present Company.